RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. Um, We got a good one coming up. We got my friend Lyle Steinman. He's been on the podcast before. Absolute powerhouse in the retriever training community, super retriever series community, hunt test community. Uh, He dropped a lot of knowledge on us tonight. We had a great conversation, really enjoyed it and appreciated his time. But first, let's get into the sponsors. Baby, we got that Yuka Nuba, the food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. The new formula is better for our dogs. I'm super pumped about it. Um, I would really encourage you to try. It's only my challenge. Nobody else is challenging you. It's just me. But it's peer pressure, right? And I don't know about you, but I succumb to peer pressure a little bit. So do the three-month challenge. Three bags, grab them off at Chewy.com, get them shipped to your door. Um, if you got a real high-energy dog, a dog that runs a ton, works a ton, trains a ton, get the 30-20. If you've got that medium dog, you train medium, you don't go out, hit it for hours at a time, miles at a time, get that 26-16. Give it a whirl. You won't be disappointed. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. All made in America. Let me tell you, this company, they stand with us when we talk about the unspoken bond. And they are designing, building, promoting the best possible gear for our industry. So if you're interested in getting yourself into a gunner kennel, shoot us a direct message on the old Instagrams at Lone Duck. We'd be happy, happy to help you. Next up, Dogtra. I've been with this company for over 10 years now. There's a few things that I really care about. A, durability. The things that I use need to work when I pull them out and use them. 
and B, customer service. If something hits the fan, I want them to be there to help me through it. So that for that reason, those two reasons alone is why we use Dogtra. I fully, fully support them. And you guys all know the deal, 1900S or Edge RT. They got a bunch of other great products we can talk about on another day or in another podcast. But if you're interested in getting yourself into a 1900S or an Edge RT, slip on into the old LoneDuckOutfitters.com and order yourself one. And if you have questions about it, you can shoot us a direct message as well. Next up, shoot or shoot, baby. You know what it is. <clears throat> it's abysmal. And let me tell you, I did slip into their Instagram and I did see some abysmal written on them. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you going on there and letting them know you love the Lone Duck podcast and that you're supporting them. Um, Man, I don't think I could shoot steel again. It's just far better killing ability with that bismuth. And there's a ton of other loads. It's almost turkey season. You got that tungsten. So check it out. Kent cartridge, Kent ammunition. Look them up, sign them up, send it downrange. Next up, we've got Traeger Grills. Rolling smoke. I got some wingy dingies. Actually, that's what I'm going to have for dinner when we're done with this podcast is some leftover wings that I made last night. I love, I love their big grill that I got. I can do a lot of stuff on it, but when I'm traveling or at a, well, I guess I'm traveling when I'm at a hunt test, but even on this Southern trip, I can't bring my Traeger big ass, big, big dog grill with me, but I can bring my Ranger. And that sucker is money. I fit like 30-something wings on there. Oh, legit. They came out spectacular. Smoke them if you got them. Welcome to the Traeger hood, baby. Also, selfish plug, little lone duck. We appreciate all the support that you give us on our website. LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts. That's where we sell our dog for products. That's where we sell some wingers. There's a lot of good gear on there. You can check it out. If you enjoy the show, do us a solid, grab some gear. And if I see you at a hunt test or in a swamp somewhere rocking the lone D, I promise I'll give you a high five. Uh, also, a little selfish plug, the Patreons. Patreon's growing. We're working on a, uh, revamping it and just every week kevin and i are thinking about patreon and building it out so that it's a great resource for training tips great resource for being in communication with me and a bright future there so if you'd like to join and get a lot out of it there's tears for that if you want to just buy me and kevin a beer and say thank you for helping out with the show five bucks a month so we appreciate your support you can also win an all expenses paid trip hunt with me and kevin next year with the pit boss sea duck hunting in maryland so for five bucks a month you're entered to win come join us on patreon we appreciate it and lastly waypoint outdoor collective they keep us in tune with you and you in tune with us all right lyle welcome back my friend it's great to have you um tell us what's what's been going on man <laughs> uh just uh you know we we uh kept training in november we kept training in december uh we didn't post very many videos because we really didn't want anybody knowing that we were 
we didn't really take any time off. We just went back into training, and then uh, January we kept training, and uh, we went south for the winter and uh, to Texas, to Palestine, and, and of course we love it down here. And went back to training hard, and then uh, what? Yeah, a day or two ago we got eight to ten inches of snow, and that kind of drives us crazy. But yeah, it's just a little bit stressful. But no, we're going back to training tomorrow, so we've had about a day and a half off. And, and so the dogs are good and everybody's safe. And so we're, like I said, we're going to like to train tomorrow in the snow. That's awesome. Well, you know, I'm no stranger to training in the snow. You just got to <laughs> kick land. I call them landing pads for the dogs. So you have your <laughs> bird boy walk out and like kick a little zone so that the duck doesn't go underneath the wa- uh, underneath the snow and get lost in no man's land. Yeah, it, you know, it's a gorgeous day today. It's kind of uh, a little stressful. Most people know that I can't hardly plug in my cell phone. So we had a water line break here at the house. So my wife, Stephanie, who can do anything, fix anything, walked me through how to fix a water line. So that was the uh, most, well, one of the stressful things for today. Mm. So, oh, yeah. It, it freeze? Oh, I don't know what it did. It's supposed to be gorgeous and it broke and it. You know, we lost water pressure. We got outside. We got a fountain going off. And I go, oh man! So of course, they only put the water lines like three or four inches deep here in Texas, not like at home, three to four foot. And so go to Lowe's and go to the plumbing section, which I don't know where that's at, but I figured it out. And twenty people later, in there, I got a cap and we capped it, and we got water. So we'll see how that works, of course. Well, good for you. Um. Hope it didn't. Hope it didn't go any worse than that. Uh, yeah, hopefully it'll stay on. I guess you'd say. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, now, where, so you're in Texas right now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I saw on uh, on all the old social medias that everybody got hit real, real bad. We're in Charleston, and it's been really rainy since I've gotten here, but we're still able to work. And today was 60 degrees, blue sky, and that's partially why I was a few minutes behind because it was hard to stop working because it was so nice out. Oh, that sounds beautiful. And like, it was in the 20s here and, and no wind. And the, I mean, it was, we could have trained this afternoon. So uh, we're expecting possibly freezing rain tonight and some snow. I don't know. It, it's pretty nice out. So. But no, it's it just uh, just be careful and yeah. yeah, train, train, train. No doubt about it. So I got uh, a couple questions for you. We did. Well, we'll we'll jump into all the Patreon and and you got hit up pretty hard today from from your followers and community on questions to ask you. But I want to know more about. You've had some neat things pop up. You you and your wife jumped into the gun dog hunt test field trial training product world tell us about that endeavor oh uh, that was that was kind of exciting i mean lou mckee and i have been friends for many years we met at uh the 2005 master national and and lou started the company about 10 years ago and 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 him and i talked and it was because i've always bought lou's you know the thick man the tax man the holding one i mean lou does a phenomenal job did a great job, but he was a one-man show. And Lou's getting close to 80, okay? And Lou is a perfectionist and a field trialer that, that 
loves training and running. And, and he goes, every time you open your mouth, I get a ton of orders. I don't want a ton of orders, <laughs> ton of orders coming in. I want to retire. So he, he approached us about buying it, and, and Steph really wanted to do it. So in December, we, we, we purchased it, give or take, and we finished up some stuff. And, and you know, we, we've made some small changes to the product line and, and, and continue to improve, but it was um, – it, w- it was a great decision. It's been a little stressful, but, you know, we're going to start with the weather permitting. We're going to start mass production next week, and, and that's, that's kind of held us back a little bit because of that. But, no, I mean, the product, the, the holding blinds, uh, the development of what Lou did was <clears throat> unbelievable, to say the least. I mean, like I said, we, we hired what was nice was, you know, Bob and Kevin, here's what was nice, Okay. Made in the USA. That's right. Okay. But the biggest thing is made within 10 miles of my house. Okay. We've got a, a commercial seamstress shop that's doing all the sewing for the holding blinds and everything that's 10 minutes from the house that is all mom and pop and family. And then the powder coating on all the holding blinds and, uh, and all the products about 10 minutes away, a mom and pop store. So another one, another small business. And then you take, we're, we're putting the product together there, shopping the kennels, but everything is within 10 minutes of a house and all of them are mom and pop shops. I mean, that, that's probably what I'm proud of the most is that all this stuff is being, you know, welded at the shop, taken to the powder coaters. I mean, it's just, it's kind of exciting to see that, you know, made in America, made made in Buchanan County, St. Joseph, Missouri, uh, you know, one of the biggest manufacturing city in the, got to be in the United States. I can't believe how many manufacturers in St. Joseph, Missouri, and, and to get metal, you know, from all these guys, we'll bring it to you. Great. You know, they're all family owned business, which is, which is crazy, which is, which is wonderful. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like when you buy one of our holding blinds or, or one of our products, you can guarantee it's made right here in Missouri. That's what's wonderful. That's really cool. So what products are in your products line? Well, we got three poles. Holding blinds, four pole holding blinds. We sell a, uh, uh, it's kind of funny, we sell a gazillion stick men. It's crazy. Uh, then the, then the uh, tack man is the mannequins. And I bought some of the first mannequins from Lou when he started making them. And uh, you can dress them up in white, black, whatever. And they make a difference. I mean, the dogs that I haven't seen them, they look like real people out there. Uh, so that's kind of uh, fun, fun messing with those things. Uh, we added a gun stand. The boys one day, Rich and Dennis and all of us, and, and Riley and Jake were messing with gun stands. We go, okay, we don't, we got a gun stand. We don't like this. How do we make it better? So we improved on the gun stand and made those and, and powder coated. We sold several of those. Um, working on some healing sticks and stuff like that, just, you know, messing around. Um, so, you know, we got some other features and stuff and product lines that we're working on. 
I like it. I but like yeah, it. It's funny. It's funny. You take a, a tea pole, which I hate. Okay. But it's amazing that different parts of the country want different products, which that, you know, cause I like the holding, the, you know, the, the U shaped holding bike pole. Cause I just beat the tar out of it. And, uh, you take on certain soils or Montana wants, you know, white stick man. And you can't, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what parts of the country order products. Uh, and then the bird racks. Oh my gosh. We're like four to six weeks behind on bird racks. Wow. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy, but the product itself, you know, with the, with the material, uh, and dog trainers. Okay. We all know that dog trainers are just hard on equipment. Okay. But if you take good care of this stuff, I don't know if you'll place another order from us because that's how tough this stuff is. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, you make something really nice and then they buy it once and, and that's good. It almost has to, you got to have a little bit of a shelf life. You gotta have, or else you're just gonna sell them to everybody, and then they won't need them for another twenty years. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. But that's a good problem to be in. I mean, I would rather stand yeah. behind that for sure. <laughs> well, it's just it, it's been exciting to say the least. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, and then I, I I'm glad that that's going well. I think that's cool. And if we can help, you know, share some of that stuff and and put a link in our you know, wherever we got to put it to put more orders in the, in the hopper and showcase some of the, the products that you've got, I would, I'm down to do that for, for, you know, no doubt about it. Um, and then the last time we spoke, it was right before the super retriever series. And I want to touch on that and what, what that was like for you. Um, boy. Uh, I think that event was extremely disappointing for a lot of people. Um, I think people that watched it, uh, that knew a lot about dog work setups and things like that would look at it and go, you know, and shake their heads. That That's probably the most politically correct that you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I guess <clears throat> it was interesting. Um, uh, we can do a whole podcast on that, that, uh, would highlight a lot of things, but, uh, and that was my 14th, the 14th crown that I've been to. And, um, and a lot of people that we talked to, you know, understood that, you know, we finished, I think seven. We had three dogs in the top 12, seventh, uh, ninth, tenth, and I think that was the first time in 10 years that we never made the finals. Um, it, it was interesting. I've seen a lot of great dogs uh, that could not see, could not be handled. Um, you know, it, it was it was frustrating to handlers. It was frustrating uh, to the dogs. So, I mean, and that was, you know, it was it was motivation to go home, regroup, uh, go back to training, uh, extremely hard in November and December, uh, 
it, it's kind of like my Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Uh, yesterday morning at 7.30 a.m., my quarterback was on the practice field. Yep. Number 15. Okay. So that's kind of what we did. We come home and we go, okay, we had a bad game. Uh, we've got the talent. Uh, we need to get back to what we do. And that's train. Yeah. And that's, train. that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to talk about. You know, talk a little bit about the emotion of this is a massive event, right? You train for it, mm -hmm. you know, this and master national and, yep. you know, this is, it's huge. It's all year long waiting for this moment and to have, you know, the caliber of trainer, the caliber of dogs and to go out, you know, and, and not hit the expectations. I want to hear, you know, just the tugging at the heartstrings to get behind the, the curtain of who you are and what's going to make you push harder this year, if you know what I mean, right? So tell us what it was like, you know, throughout the event and then say, like, this is the moment that I just, it, it you know, it hurt and now we're home and we're working. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I admire the grand. They continued on and did a great job and, and put on a great event. You know, the Master National, of course, was canceled. And, I mean, we, we eat, sleep, and we drink these dogs, okay? And, and that's what motivates us. And, and I did some consulting with, with the Master National Board and, and advised them, you know, in February. I knew this thing was probably pretty iffy. And then we got closer, and we changed the requirements, and then we get to May, and... Uh, my gut tells me this thing is not going to happen. Okay. But as a older trainer, I guess you would say, uh, my job is to motivate those younger trainers and, and do what they're supposed to do. You're going to do your job. The job is to train dogs, qualify dogs for the master national for the crown. This is what we do. And, and, um, had a great relationship with, with, uh, Alan Dillard and, 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 you know, when the decision come down, they tried to call me before about 10 or 15 minutes before six o'clock and, and, and couldn't get a hold of me. And then, you know, six ten six fifteen I started getting text messages about, you know, master national and canceled and. And Alan said, you know, I wanted to let you know that it was going to be canceled before you heard it. And I said, we're good with that. And he goes, are you okay? I said, I was over, no. Because I knew that was going, that was probably going to happen. Uh, but, you know, our job is, is, is trainers, amateur and pros is to train. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great dogs. I, I feel bad for those because it's still all about the dogs. Right. There's a lot of great dogs that'll never make the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of great dogs that's got eight plates. Not going to get the chance at nine, probably. You know, you, you look at dog that's two and a half that's got a plate that didn't get a shot in the Netherlands. You know, 
it, it's a it's a trickle down effect of and I worked in twelve years at canceling a master national affects those dogs. Um, how many plates? 10, 12, 15 more plates I would have got. You know, how many dogs I got two plates on that I'm not going to get a shot at the Hall of Fame with? Right. Several. Um, so that that's, you know. Well, for me, and I'm, you're, you know, I don't know. How many on average do you carry to the Master National? 20-something? Yeah, 24, 26. Right. I had five or six qualified. I don't remember anymore. But uh, two of them are done. Just owners spent money. Owners didn't have – they don't have a wallet to – to just play this was like hey you worked hard all year the dogs worked hard all year you qualified run it and they were going to be done hunting dogs family dogs that was it and and they're just done and i I, you know for me that was a bummer you know the dogs earned it we earned it traveling and and they could have done it you know they were the type of dogs who were mentally stable to sit still and do the work you know whether they still would have or not i don't know but they they were that kind of dog that you just felt good about them and uh and i know that now they're done and it's a massive bummer and i'm not the only person or those amateurs who poured a ton of money into traveling with their one or two dogs yeah it was that was a tough one but we'll be back this year you you know I, it's Idaho. It's a long haul, buddy. Well, it, it is. And, and I think, too, is I think, you know, Bob, I think, Kevin, um, Idaho's going to be big. Uh, I, I think they're, you know, we were one of the first trucks to ever go over 20, 20, 25, 26, 28 dogs competing in one truck. And I think you're going to see a massive amount you know, 12 to 15 trucks of 20-plus dogs. So it's not hard to do math. So I, I think Idaho will be big. Uh, I think Washington the following year will be big. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, you're going to have to take advantage. The best part is you're going to take advantage when the advantage is, is there for these guys. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. 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 It was a long year. Yeah, it was a long year. Uh, it was a long year. It, and really almost hit like a burnout, right? Like I just, mm-hmm. hunting season was here. Everything was done. We grinded really hard to do it. And n- I'm good now. But there was a time when it was cold and rainy and snowing in New York. And you're just like, ugh, I could be done. <laughs> just take a nap. <laughs> Um, that is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely hard. But then you just, you get back on the horse. And so talking about getting back on the horse, you know, these, these dogs, what are we doing? What are we doing weekly? You know, do you have a, one thing that I don't do and I've thought about doing, and then you just get busy and, you know, other things prioritize and whatnot. But like throughout the week, are you writing notes down on 
each dog and what they've accomplished and where they're at. Do you have anything like that that you do? <clears throat> okay, you should. Okay, you should do that. Everybody out there, grab a notebook. And I don't care if you got one dog or, or 20, you should. Mm-hmm. Okay? I can't remember what I did a week ago or had for supper or whatever. Okay? But if it's dog-related, I can remember what every dog did to me three weeks ago, and I'll get you. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's crazy. And Sapatella, because you can't remember nothing, but you can remember what a dog did three weeks ago, two weeks ago. She did a piece of water and a test and, and did this and did that. I, I, I can't explain it. No, I know exactly, because I don't remember much. You know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah, I, I can't remember nothing, but, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I can't. You know, I'll, I'll get you. I'll wait. I'll be patient. You you didn't get enough water three weeks ago. I'm going to get you today. I know I'm going to get you. So it's crazy. But yeah, you should take notes. Uh, now I take notes when I run hunt tests and SRS events. I take notes like note cards. Okay, and and that's something I always do before I go to a test. I'll write down big note card. I'll put you know number thirty six is ducky. Okay because I don't carry a catalog with me. So I'll make notes, you know, grade my blinds, grade the marks and, and things like that. So when I'm looking at them later, I go, okay, it wouldn't have, you know, because if you don't write it down that second, okay, you'll see me at a hunt test, walk off the line, or if I'm in the honor box, I'm making notes. So are you ready? Yes, sir. Because if you wait to get back to the truck, it's a whole lot prettier. That's right. Back there than it is on the line yeah i uh have you ever seen there's a movie called old school it was back when i was in college and one of the meathead characters in the movie goes up to some debate thing and he's debating and he just crushes the competition in debates and then they're like oh my gosh you did so good he goes what what happened i I blacked out that's 100 (laughs) percent. some like you see all these including myself at times too, where you're like, I don't know how many whistles I blew, right? Or or what happened? And you'll come back and the judge will be like, you had 17 cash refusals. You're like, excuse me? 17? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, th- I saw like four. But in the moment, you're just, you're just in it. And you're one mm-hmm. with the situation. And so, yeah, I can 100% think that that would be a uh, a positive to sit there and be like, yeah, that you know, got in late, got out early, um, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, think like, you know, like when Rich, you know, Rich and uh, runs dogs at the HRC and some master tests and junior seniors, it doesn't matter what it is. And he, he does it because that way, Rich, you know, what happened? You know, what, what, what was good, what was bad? He goes, well, let me get my notes. And, and like I say, it's crystal clear, okay? You know, write down what you, what the dog did. Because that way you can talk, one, to your clients or one to your boss about, hey, I like this, but I didn't like this. So, yeah, it's a good idea to take notes. Absolutely. Cool. I'm going to add that to my 
2021 hunt test goals is to start writing notes after every you know what the so that is another part of this is when you're running a bunch of dogs and i run the gamut mm-hmm. so i got junior dogs and senior dogs and master dogs Absolutely. and then everybody wants to come up and chit chat and tell me about their dog mm-hmm. which is which is great come you know i don't mean it in a bad way but all of a yeah. sudden your brain yeah. is completely mush and then you got to go run again you're like shoot did this dog handle in the first series come on i can't remember did it handle what happened and if i wrote it down wouldn't that be just the smartest thing i've ever done yeah, I mean, if you get like a master test or a senior test or, you know, you, you handle in the first series, you're going to the second going, well, I kind of need to be clean. Or you get to the third and you go, okay, I'm clean in the first and second series, and it was a good job. It wasn't a gorilla hunt, stumbled on the bird type deal, and you go, okay, I got a handle to burn. That's right. So I'm going to get two birds, and I'm going to put you on the bird go to the blind, whatever it is, and let's get out of here and go home. That's right. Yeah, it's just it helps with strategy. Absolutely, because on Monday morning, that, that clean job in three series, uh, who cares? Yeah, you don't want to go home uh, without a ribbon and had a handle that you could have burned. Right, and you take, like with my guys, is – if you went through three series and you were clean, you had to be absolutely positively perfect in the third series. Because if not, I'm going to put a whistle on you and put you on the bird because I'm trained. There's nothing wrong with handling on a mark in a hunt test. Okay? Nothing. It, it, you're, you're, okay, did I slip a whistle? Did I cast refusal? You know what I'm saying? You're, you're training at that moment. You got two marks clean. You're going to the third mark and you flinch. I'm going, I'm going to handle these because I, I, I got a handle, but let's see if you can handle crisp and clean. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you'll so make your great marking dogs. Right. Your great marking dogs don't want to be handled. No. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. Well, I'll, uh, let's get into, so we did, uh, everybody's been hearing about our Patreon and basically it's a community Lyle that people can join. It's patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. And for a mere buy me and Kevin a beer a week, five bucks a month or yeah, five bucks a month. Um, they can join this community and have a little bit more help from us. We've got videos on there. And the community also gets to ask more questions during our podcast to help um, just learn and get other people's perspective. And so we got several good questions for you. And this one is one that I get asked all the time, if not daily. And so uh, it's it's one I want to touch on. So Nick asked the order of training and rough ages. So for instance... Treat training, collar conditioning, force fetch, tee, swim by, blinds, multiple marks. How do you start, like, what? well, I guess I did it in the progression, but um, what are the ages, like, rough estimate of ages that you're looking to do those things? And 
is there anything in there that you're doing like simultaneously and 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 how do you work your progression there yeah are you there did i lose you okay yeah no just lit um you know as, uh, you start with puppy marks you know black grounds and you, we use white buckets white five gallon buckets until puppy marks out of those uh we want you marking you know sidewise and then it's six five to six months we start you know obedience we start the, the hole we start the car conditioning and we finish up with that you know around Four to six weeks. Okay. Uh, you take the old thought process was roughly five to six months of age. You got a nice run dog, and the dog ought to be able to run a junior hunter. Okay. And then at eight to 12 months of continuous training, that dog ought to be ready to run a senior test. Okay. And, and you're being patient. And then I really don't like running master dogs until they're twos because any in our part of the country, if you're a master hunter at three, you're a flat stud. You're a monster, okay? And that's being patient. So uh, you don't you don't want any bad habits at that age. You know, slowly but surely, be be slow with that process. So I couldn't agree more, and I feel like we touched on this in a recent show as well, where patience is a virtue, and rushing to get your title or rushing to say you had a young dog accomplish X, in the end, if if problems arise because you did that, that's on you. Um, so I, uh, to kind of dive in a little bit deeper, you know, and you touched on it, Collar conditioning, force fetch, done by eight months. From force fetch, you're doing pile work, forcing to a pile mm-hmm. and T. When you're Correct. when you're transitioning from T to, do you run pattern blinds? Do you run lining paths? Do you wait for swim by to be done with all that? What do you do with that? Uh, um, after that, we go to a five leg pattern. Okay, and. It's just basically like five fingers on your hand, and we start up in the middle, and we start teaching that dog line of drills. And then we slowly start backing up on the five-leg pattern. And then once we're back at home base, per se, we start casting and handling. And, and the thing is, be patient with your handling on the five-leg. And then once we've got it, successful on the five leg then we'll go to the swim by pile okay and we'll spend 30 to 45 continuous days on that maybe 60 days depending on the dog right i remember you doing that last podcast we had john was was how in-depth you go on swim by um mm-hmm. multiple marks everybody wants to say their dog runs triples and then you dive into it and they're all hand thrown in their front yard triples talk to me about multiple marks and what your theory is throughout the week on multiple marks i never throw them 
I can't remember the last time I threw a multiple set of marks in the train. Never. Um, but again, you cannot do my setups as multiple marks. If you go look at the Facebook page and you look, and, and, and I'm not very good with video. Once you see a video on my Facebook page, you do it. I do it one time and that's what you get. I don't erase it and redo it. It's just what you get. Okay. Because those setups are for my clients uh, to see what we're doing and what we're working on. The rest of the people just get them and look at them. But, you know, it, it's, you don't need to do multiple setups, multiple marks. You don't need to. I do poison birds almost every day. So if you throw a mark, run two blinds, and come back and get the, the, the mark, what's that? Building memory. Oh, that's a triple. That's a triple. Right. See what I'm saying? Um, the ideal is point and shoot. Work on perfection on those marks. Give those dogs so many marks to see. And, and with those setups, you're seeing us throw four, five, and six marks a day. And I'm throwing multiple marks as far as numbers six days, seven days a week. Right. All right. You so should throw, I, you, you should never, it's like as an amateur, nobody throw singles. Even in your training group, you do not need, if they're throwing three triples or whatever it is, just like, I would like those singles, please. Yeah, I agree. Multiple marks cause head swinging and everything. You get enough head swinging on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You don't need them Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday. So, all right, I'll play devil's advocate because I do throw multiple marks, but it's not often. So, I'll play devil's advocate. What if you, you've always heard those folks will be like, well, my dog can't count to three. And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't, they don't count. They don't have fingers. Like, they never learned how to count. So, I don't understand that little thing. But if you have a dog that really does struggle and break down and doesn't have confidence to go back out and continue hunting – how would you tackle that? I mean, because you do have to remember, like, the caliber of dogs you have is different than the caliber of dogs I have, and it's different than the caliber of dogs that Susie Q down the road has. So with that being said, if they are having a hard time with multiple marks, it, you know, how would you try and tackle that? Okay. I've probably got... Of the 35 Hall of Fame dogs, I bet 10 of those dogs cannot count to three. I promise you they can't. Okay. You will never get a ribbon. You will never get a point. You'll never get any SRS points winning a training day. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
So yeah. if your dog, if you know your dog cannot count to three, then why do you want to keep training multiple marks and training? That's a dog that should never, ever see a multiple set of marks and training. Never. But why? Okay. So what you want to teach that dog is you want to teach that dog to get two marks and then go exactly where I point you. And this is where your handler has to be great. Okay. Dogs are taught to go to the left side of the holding blind or the right side of the holding blind. Correct? Yeah. So you get two marks and you go, okay, the wind's blowing right to left and the mark's going right to left. You might want to poke that dog a little bit farther to the left so that dog's going to basically stumble on the bird or win the bird. A dog that can't count to three needs a experienced handler. Get you through a test. That makes I, okay. I, yeah. If, yeah. If you're if you're in a master test in the first series, okay, it's a land test, and you know your dog is not a very good marker, you know that you need to get out of the first series with a clean triple, correct? Yeah. Because the, the farther you get into the test, you're probably not going to get a clean triple in the third, right? Yes. So you need to take gambles. So when you're doing, so I, I'm with you. I I'm with you. When it's when it's someone who isn't experienced and is learning the game, how are they teaching a dog to hit that third bird and 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 hold their line confidently? Which we do have a question about that further down, but. You know, if I'm working the dog, sit, good, right there, good, mm -hmm. no, here, good, right there, and kick them loose. What's to keep that dog from breaking down at 40 yards and hunting, even though it sees that holding blind out there and you punched it to the left of it and hopefully it'll catch wind and hunt, you know, find the bird. I mean, if a dog truly is like mm, swinging around, we call it bugging, you know, they're just Looking mm -hmm. left, looking right, yeah. looking left, looking yeah. right. They got no idea. You might as well just have not thrown a third bird. To What can people do? What is there a drill that we can do? Do you have a bird boy step out and fake throw? Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. Uh, put a lot of commotion up front and then throw, you know, we use a lot of stick. Uh, the tack man with the mannequins with white coats up front and then throw a lot of marks deep with holding blinds. So you got to look through a lot of traffic, a lot of a lot of garbage to get to the, through that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're head swinging and all this stuff, you know, a test, then you're running too many multiple marks. Well, I'm with you, but I think that the head swing can come from two different things. Like one, it could come from too many marks and it's looking for another mark or mm -hmm. two, yeah. it has no idea where they're looking. So they're just like, Meh, da -da, like, get me out of here. I don't know what to do. We're done. Well, I mean, if you got two marks clean and the third mark, you don't even suspect there's something out there. 
Okay. So what we want to do is here, sit, quiet, dead bird. Here, sit, dead bird, back. Yeah. As a judge, your, your job is to judge the dog. You don't know how I train. Okay. Even though I said back, you're going to run straighter if you use back after dead bird than you are here sit mark. Correct? Correct. Absolutely. So you're 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 at a point where <laughs> you're in a no win situation. So you gotta take a chance. And tell the judge that, well, maybe the dog did see more than you think. Which you know it didn't. Sure. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. All right. Are you good with that one? I'm good. I'm good with it. Quiet. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So we got a guy, uh, Rob, here. Tips for keeping their butt on the ground. And then, so I I would like to hear how you steady a dog up and then Mm -hmm. add that into making adjustments through here and heel when lining for blinds. So it's it's a two-parter. How you study yeah. a dog, and, you know, like some people don't study till after force fetch, like those kind of details. And then when they're lining up for a blind, instead of making big adjustments, how do you fine-tune them? Sure, sure. Um, uh, studying dogs is being very patient, okay? Um, what you want to do is just be, let the dog steady itself. Just a little bit of restraint. Finger under the collar. Yeah, sit. Good. Just be patient. Uh, Timing-wise, on um, the release to the dog, you know, change your timing. One second, two seconds, three seconds. You know, don't don't use the same, because dogs will pick up on your pattern. Okay? Well, he's going to count to two, and then he's going to release. So you want to go a different, you know, time frame. Uh, there's a lot of tabs. Like six inch collars, just have them all in, just hold them back. Uh, just being patient, go short, long, long, short on your marks. Uh, just you know, being very patient, those dogs will steady themselves, and it, and it depends on the dog. Okay, if you got a dog that has a high prey drive, then you, you know, take a little bit of crop, sit. Come across the front shoulder. Sit. Good. You got a dog that doesn't have a lot of prey drive? Uh, don't worry about setting because they're not going to break later on. That's right. That's a great point. If they've got a lot of drive, we can tone them down. If they don't have a lot of drive, mm-hmm. don't steady them up. Uh, yeah, we had a couple of young dogs this, this week. Uh, they're broke. Don't worry about it. Just let them go. They'll be okay. We'll fix it later. Yeah, just be patient with that. Now, it, it's everybody gets, you know, uh, too concerned with setting the dog up. If you're working on your obedience, remote sits, very important. You know, five, six, seven months old. That'll play into the game later on. So. During your process, at what age are you starting to study a dog up and adhere? Like, okay, enough's enough. Time to time to pay attention. Uh, 
you know, I'd say 11, 12 months of age. Yeah. That's hard to say. Okay. Uh, again, it goes back to you. That dog is extremely steady, a very patient, uh, then I wouldn't be concerned with setting that dog. It'll steady itself up. If you got one that's crazy and moving all over, then I'd start working on, you know, sit. A little harder, sit, tap, sit, tap. Uh, the bird hits the ground. Take a breath, two or three, for leap. Uh, that, that's, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I Because every one of them is completely different. There are, you know, some of them, <laughs> pedigree-wise, you ought to start setting down before they're even born. Right. <laughs> No, that's a good point. It's a great point. So are you big on a healing stick or a crop? Yeah, I, I, uh, always, you always want to have a crop in your back pocket. Always. Um, you don't have to use them, but you always have to have it. Kind of like, you know, you see these guys standing around and their transmitter is in the pocket. So what's that good for? It should always be in your hand. All the time. No difference in the crop in your back pocket. You can't use it if you can't get to it. That's right. Yeah. Always be prepared. I like it. I like it. Now, when someone's working on maybe, let's say, wagon wheel or like your five-legged drill, um, lining drill, and they're trying to fine-tune. So now we're not talking about studying for marks. We're talking about running blinds and lining a dog up and trying to make minor adjustments and and he's probably having a dog or having a problem with his dog where the butt comes up and he makes a big adjustment and all he wanted was to just move him a quarter inch um most judges try and put the holding blind as close to the line as it can for me because if you give me two or three feet, okay, you watch a lot of handlers, okay, just stand on the line and wheelhouse the dog in. Okay, well, if you back up two or three feet, four feet, and whether it be a mark or a blind, back off the line, wheel the dog up, walk toward the mark or the blind that you're going at. Does that make sense? Because if you're walking forward toward where you're going, the dog's spine and where the dog is going is already lined up. I, yeah, it's an awesome point. Does um, that make sense? No, because yeah. Yep. If you're walking toward that mark or toward that blind, then you've got a good path and you're lined up here, heel, sit, dead bird, back. I'm with you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I, I, yeah, I got you. So, it to, you're actually not looking for a minor adjustment. You're looking at it like if I've got a little extra space, I'm going to take, I'm going to take it, that extra space, and I'm going to allow one or two steps this way, and then here comes this dog's body just perfectly aligning already. Perfectly. So I get that. But if he's working on, I mean, I think that there's still a 
to me an understanding where like you got like when I say here to a dog and they're at the line, I don't want them to pick their butt up and move closer to me. I want them to move, you know, if they're already lined up properly, I just want their head to move like a quarter inch and then good right there. And I think that's where he's having a problem. I think he's having a problem where when he says here or heel, his dog just like out of excitement pops up and makes a big movement. And he's like, damn, we were so close, but now you're half a foot off now. Oh, correct. That, that's correct. And most drills, your lining drills, your wagon wheels are, I'd say 90 plus percent are not being done correctly. All right. So and that's hard. To, that's hard to explain because, um, you know, Rex car designed so many, uh, drills, diagrams and so on but a lot of his diagrams and things like that if you didn't do them properly they were worthless and that's hard to explain very hard to explain but if you're lining up a dog and you're walking toward it's kind of like driving your car through a, a four-way stop well you're, you're you're going forward correct well if you got three or four or five feet you're wheelhousing in and you're walking forward, you, 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 you gotta be going straight, right? Right. But if you only keep, if you're standing on the line and the dog comes in and you say, heel, he's 99% chance he is not lined up. I promise you he's not lined up. Would you, in the event that you're, doing these drills like for me I'll, I'll i'll throw out what i do whether it's right wrong or indifferent so depending on the dog and depending on the situation and how bad they are at it right i might have my healing stick with me and i might pop them on the butt with the healing stick if they're making flagrant large movements picking their butt up when we're doing wagon wheel right or okay, I'll, you can do that or i'll collar like collar pressure, sit, sit, collar pressure, sit, mm-hmm. depending on how that I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of certain dogs in my head right now of when I would mm-hmm. and who, who can handle that and who can't, but you got to do something, right? You've mm-hmm. got to do something to show that in, and then like, I might whisper so gently here, here, good, you know, just so gently and then all of a sudden they we start building a little bit of consistency on i didn't say here here well of course you're gonna get a big movement because you just shouted at him i just gently whispered sweet nothings into his ear and he moved just a little bit and boom he's lined up good right there back and now you build repetition and you know it's all about repetition it's all about consistency so if a big big butt coming off the ground and a big movement well i'm going to be consistent on stopping that little little tiny gentle movements good right there send it well and you said a four bumper holding blind excuse me a four a wagon wheel with four bumpers Uh 12 3 6 9 12 
that will steady a dog up. But so many people don't do that drill correctly. Okay, so you throw a bumper at 12. You move to 3. You move to 6. You move to 9. Okay, on the last bumper, you say the dog's name. Ducky. Okay, you pick it up. You hear He'll sit, and you're pointing at 9 o'clock. You toss the bumper out. Then you move to 12, move to 3, or 6. Sit. Back. You pick the bumper up, say at 3 o'clock. Heel. Sit. You're looking at 3. You take the bumper, and you toss the bumper at 3 o'clock. Then you move to one of the other three piles, ear or heel, pull or push. Be patient and be slow. Everybody is so in such a hurry to get to the end, but be patient. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's maybe where, you know, when I was trying to talk about, like, whispering sweet nothings, it's just like, gently mm-hmm. tell them, here, here. Yeah, just slow yeah. down. If you move fast, if you talk loud, you're going to get bigger, faster movements. If you move really slow and you talk really quietly to the dog, it's going to calm it down just a hair, and you're going to get little tiny movements. So I think that's a great point, Lau. All right, we got another one. Oh, go ahead. Go. Faster the dog, slower the handling. Slower the dog, faster the handling. Mm-hmm. We say, yeah, I say the same thing. Same exact thing. Because the slow dogs, we want to pump them up and get them going and having some fun. And the, and the ones that are jacked up, we want to bring them back down and calm them down and, and create a little more balance in their life. Correct. All right, I'm going to give you one, and I'm going to let you roll because I'm going to hit the head real quick. But this guy, his name is Tyler. He said, how to introduce young dogs to white coat game. He has a two-year-old dog that's running master-level hunt test setups and training, um, aspiring master hunter, but he also wants to play uh, in the Q game and wants to run qualifyings. So if you've got... Uh, someone like that that wants to come out and train with you, you know, how are you working that? Um, start with wide open, you know, wide stick man, pack man, all that stuff. Okay. And, and something like that, you need to, there's nothing wrong with mechanical throwers, wingers, and all that, but you're not going to get any help at, 300, 400, 500, 600 yards longer. Okay. So, what I would do is just start wide open with white coats, a uh, bird thrower, you know, white buckets, uh, boat bumper buoy, any of that stuff, just to get the dog out there. You don't have to stress the dog out there to begin with. Because what you run into is most of those dogs running the qual or more. Or seeing two and three hundred yard marks in six, seven. Uh, bad to say three months of age. I'm sorry. Uh, Twelve weeks. <laughs> uh, 
Most old dogs are seeing two and three hundred yard marks at that age. Um, one thing that we always stress is this: okay, training will always take you two and three hundred yards. Okay, genetics will always get you four, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards and more. All right, I'm back. Yeah. That, yeah, while I, I'm tracking you. That that makes sense. I, I guess we've kind of talked about that on our show before, too, where having good genetics is going to stack the deck in your favor, and it's going to, you know, maybe ensure that, like, yeah, your dog can handle that. You can kind of you know, wrangle a dog that's average to, to be able to do it. But a good dog, right, uh, one with lineage and, and has a good pedigree and is going to be able to do it, and do it right, is going to be able to stretch it out like that. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And you take, okay, when someone's looking at a puppy, uh, whatever, you, you have to realize what your goals are, okay? Are you looking for this? Are you looking for that? And that's the big thing is, is what are you looking for to do goal-wise? If you're looking to be a hunt test dog, there's nothing wrong with looking at hunt test type bred dogs. If you're looking to play a field trial game, you know, most of those great breeds are barely, rarely ever available because they're so secret, not secret, but they're not publicized. You're not going to hear about them. Um, but you, you just got to figure out what your goals are and what you want to achieve. I gotcha. All right. We got another one. TJ, how to start teaching concepts under the arc, you know, running blinds under the arc of a mark. Um, how do you, let's just take that concept in and of itself. Um, how do you start introducing those types of things to a dog? On a five-leg pattern. Same here. Yeah, you go to a five-leg pattern. You've got one at uh, nine, 11. you got one up close. you got one at two. You've got one at three. You've got those five-leg patterns. The five-leg pattern is one of the greatest things that's probably ever been messed with. And D.L. Walters did that in his book, and he taught Bill like at that. And that's where I learned the five-leg pattern at, at, at Eckert's place and then used it as a smaller version, which incorporated it into a bigger version as far as distance-wise. That makes sense. Uh, but you teach those line patterns with poles, and then you start introducing marks and blinds. And the biggest thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest thing I think a dog has to learn is that the difference between marks and blinds. And that's where communication is uh, valuable on that pattern field. It's kind of like you and I, like, you know, Bob, Kevin, and I going, well, we're going to go get a hamburger. We're not going to get a hamburger Chick-fil-A, are we? No. No. And, and that's what you do is communication-wise is, Communicate to that dog. Here, sit. Dead bird. 
you know, run your five leg. Put a guy out there with a with a bird, throw a bird, mark, good, good. Pick the mark up. Here, sit, dead bird. That's that's the biggest communication that I think a dog has problem with is distinguishing the difference between marks and blinds. So I, you know, if people are listening to this and have listened to me in the past, I've never called it five leg. I call mine lining pass. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm generalizing sure. mine where he's got a name for his. It's the same idea. Or if you've seen my videos uh, where we did lining pass with Quinn, I have four. Um, so it's not a five leg; it's a four leg. But the idea is we're teaching confidence, we're teaching how to hold a line, we're teaching momentum. You can stop them, and you know as they progress, you can stop them and cast them to other legs. And it's a great place where they've been, they've known, they understand. And then you start adding these, you know, just do just do five leg for a week, and then stick a gunner with a a four wheeler and a bucket of birds in in there and tell me how five leg goes it's going to throw him for a loop and then they're going to get it and they're going to understand no he's that guy's not throwing me a bird right now i got to run these and then the next day go throw a bird pick it up and then run them you know it, Correct. it you're just that's how we teach it so i'm he's he and i are are teaching these lining passes these, these pattern five legs with white poles i've i've got like quart maybe half gallon white milk jugs on top of mine i mean it's black and white for them to to simplify for them to look out and see these things and then we add more difficulty to them and that's how you teach the concept you it's a foundation you build on that foundation you build a little more you make it a little harder and you grow yeah that, that's correct uh poison birds the Persian birds Everything, everything, because the five leg is, is a, or the four, whatever you want to use, four or five legs, it's pattern blind. And you never, it's a situation where pressure is applied because you never throw. When you go to the field and you mark, that's a happy place. Okay? The five leg pattern, it's not a happy place. Okay. It's where corrections are made. Okay. That's, that's just what it is. It's completely separate from where you're going to do marks in training. Cool. I agree. I, I think if people take that piece of advice where this is the teaching field, this is where yeah. they, this is this, and we're separating it from other things, and this is where I teach you concepts. And because I've Correct. taught you the five leg, then now, you know, it's, it, we don't have gray area, right? We don't have gray area. So it's black and white. You understand five leg. You're good at five leg. Now I'm going to make it a little harder. Absolutely. Put a boat in there. Uh, do remote sins out of that thing. Put a dog in a stand, put a dog in a hut. There, there isn't anything you can't do on the five leg pattern to teach a dog. That's really cool. Smart. I never really thought yeah, about I mean, doing the other stuff. Yeah. Right. Like the yeah, jump over a boat. We've got uh, pipes. You jump over pipes. You jump over tree limbs. You jump over brush pile. 
uh, it, it is a situation you know the word pile is, you know, set up decoys, make dogs run through, you know, uh, goalposts. Here, sit. Good. Goalposts. I mean, there's snow goose decoys. Uh, there's so many things. The five legs is where I will evaluate a dog that comes into this camp. That's cool. I like it. I've evaluated dogs in less time it takes to drink a cup of coffee on the five legs. Because if I don't like you on the five legs, there's no reason to throw a mark for you or go any farther. I'm done. So everybody needs to do th- that. Means everybody needs to do this drill. That's how important it is. It's extru- It's probably other than the swim by pond. It's probably the greatest training tool ever developed. Do you? Because you can learn more about your dog about what's going on. Do you mow paths, or do you just have your poles yeah. out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when the grass gets tall. You know, mow two or three strips, you know, right on the path. Because what it does is, say, for instance, you got some cutter, and you mow every one of those strips, all five strips, and you start casting out of a strip that's mowed into a strip that's not. What are you doing? Ch- changing it's cover. Changing cover. That's right. Angling across if, if cover. You gotta, here's what you do, too. If you've got a dog that wants to cheat, land cover guess what he's going to do on water cheat even harder I promise you you have the most famous term in podcast history you call them land seekers and water seekers and you don't need any land seekers no no (laughs) we need to put that on a shirt Uh, absolutely And, and by the end of the year Lone Duck Podcast is going to be the number one podcast to listen to. I promise you. Hell yeah, okay. buddy. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. All right. So, t- speaking of, maybe this could, you know, speaking of, you know, a drill that is imperative to teaching concepts, we had a question come in from our friend Jeff, teaching retired guns and and how you tackle that. Okay. All these field travelers are big boys. Okay. Even my mentor, who's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Guess how many retired guns he ever threw and trained? I'm going to guess zero, but but that would be zero. None. Zero. Okay. Zero. Okay. You can teach it. So you take a gun at three, four, five hundred yards. You got a holding blind out there, and you got a tack man. You got a mannequin out there with a big white shirt on. Okay, and you have to do this with a bird thrower, a person, not a winger, not a launcher, anything. So you walk out and you throw it, okay, and you pop it down to two or three. You throw the bird. When the dog leaves the line, you pick the the, the tack man up. And you walk behind the holding point. That's it. 
So you don't throw a bird off the line and then send, you know? No, no. So that in no. route to the mark, the person retires. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Those those guys that tell you in all these seminars they're doing retired birds and doing all uh, no. Feral fish. No. You you gotta market, you gotta to work on you know those dogs understand they're marking whether it be a tree a row a row of trees, a holding blind, a manic they'll pick them out. We're dealing with an extremely intelligent animal. They're not stupid. You're never going to get on a dog on a retired mark. If not, you're never going to meet him out there. Never going to get the dog back out there. It's kind of like you want to throw you know, shackled ducks, you want to throw dead birds, flyers on long retires because that dog wants to go out there and get it. Does that kind of, does that kind of make sense, Bob? And Kevin, because if I'm kicking your ass because you did something wrong on a long retired, then why do I want to go out there again? I don't. That's right. Because it's bad. You want to make training fun. Yeah, I, that makes complete sense. So, to I guess I didn't describe maybe what a retired gun is for, for folks, but that's a field trial and super mm-hmm. retriever series thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you have multiple sure. marks out, let's say we got a triple. First mm-hmm. bird goes off. Long middle bird goes off. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, so that's going in my head, my bad. On the right, you got your first bird. Up the middle, you got your second bird. Uh, on your left, the third bird. Your dog goes out for the go bird, which is the last bird down, comes back, and then he looks out and the long bird's gone. And uh, mm-hmm. the right-hand bird is, is standing out there with his white coat on. So... Uh, that guy who disappeared is retired. Um, so now when you're talking about retired, then now we're talking about short retireds. A short retired bird would be like in a field trial, maybe a, a your long birds 350, 400, and your short retireds 120. So they just got done running 400 yards, and now they got to run short to a a 120, you know, break down early and not just run into no man's land. So you still just, there's nothing you do different. You just, as they're running for them, the guy retires. Yeah, you're you're wanting to make that a good place, okay? And, And you take like, in the SRS, for instance, okay? Seals here in the, in the house with it. And even the dog that the big rap on that dog was is he wouldn't go get the big retired gun at four or 500 yards. 
Well, if he won't go four or five hundred yards for feathers, he's sure not going to go four or five hundred yards for rubber chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no reward. So what you do is you just make everything happy for him. Okay, on the long retired, I promise you, he'll go four and five hundred yards for rubber chicken. Gotcha. But when you you're teaching, make it, it, they gotta they gotta mark it right. They have to mark the bird. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you take okay, you take a situation. You're working on retired guns, and and here's the thing: if you didn't mark it or see it, then how do you expect that dog to see it? Okay, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey. Go ahead and throw the bird a second time or a third time. Make sure that dog sees those those retired birds at two, three, four, six, whatever it is. Make sure that dog sees it. And then cut him loose. If he doesn't see it, throw it again. Right. You can't mark what you can't see. If in doubt, be fair. If in doubt, Black is black and white is white. Don't train gray. I like it. I like it. You had some people ask you some questions via the uh, the old social media. You want to rip one off for us? Yeah, I mean, um, someone asked about a 500-yard mark. Uh, the mark was 775 yards. We're thrown with a boat. Yeah, 775 yards. The next mark was 650, and the other two were 300 and 200. Okay. Next week, I promise you I'm going to throw a 12 to 1300 yard mark. It's good I can. Okay. What's and the that's point? The biggest question someone says, why do you want to throw one? Because right. I can. Okay. You're never going to see it, but if you ever see it, I can. And I can see the dog all the way out there. I got three three places uh, here in, in Texas that 12 to 1,300 yards, you can see them from beginning to end. Never lose sight of them. So, I mean, you always want to push and push and push. But those dogs have been trained to be at 300, 500, 600, 700. They, they understand that three to 400 yards doesn't mean anything. Just keep driving. Right. Okay. So, I mean, just, just, and, and I mean, you've got to have an animal that wants to hear the whistle for correction. That's the biggest thing. But those dogs have been trained for those distances. You know, whether it be a four or five, you know, we'll run blind, you know, next week, four or five and 600 yards. We'll have to use the four wheeler to move up. The dog hears the whistle, but that's just part of training. Just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't limit yourself. You know, don't ask the dog something the dog is not prepared for. Well, yeah, I would like to. That's a great point to make to everybody who's got a six month old puppy and listening to this. You know, the caliber and age and training is different than what we're talking about for young pups but but yeah if you got a a big goal there's only one way to to get there and it's to do the work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, all right, Lyle, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. And I used to have a boss that said the devil doesn't need an advocate. Just get get after it. Um, But let's say you you throw a mark 1,200 yards. What in between you and that mark, and let's say that dog's at 900. He's got 300 more Mm -hmm. to go. They, you know, they start f- running towards the gun and just running right at the gun, or sure. backsiding the gun, or sure. miss a piece of cover that's that's there, or they straight up quit. Right? They're just like, mm-hmm. you know, like how are you know? It's so far away. I mean, you got to have damn binoculars. Oh, you can see them. You can see them. Um, you got great walkie-talkie. Uh, you, you have someone who's been with me, like Dennis, been with me six years, February 1st. Okay. Um, he's going to step out. Okay. Or he's going to throw a driver bird. Or he's going to go, hey, 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 and keep driving. Gotcha. That's where your help is priceless. Because he knows what I'm thinking at 1,200 yards. Right. So that, I guess that's a great, great point. So when we're talking about like the fireman drill where mm-hmm. we're, we're extending marks for young dogs and we throw another bumper in route to keep them driving, you're ready Absolutely. and willing to do that as well. So they're, it doesn't matter. that's right. 50 yards, a hundred yards, 300, 600, 12. It doesn't matter. You, you, if you don't ever try it, then you don't know if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with animals that the IQ is ridiculously high, and they're freaks. Yeah, always push, but be fair. That's the biggest thing, be fair. Okay, there's certain dogs in my truck, there's no way in the world they'll ever go 1,200 yards. Never. They can't do it. But there might be a few of them. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That's cool. Um, it's just, you know, be pushed, but be fair. Um, someone else asked today, how do you know when that dog is the one? That's a great question. Gut. Gut. Okay. Don't be kennel blind. Just, just your gut will tell you that's the one. What do you mean and by? I, mean, just, I think we've talked about this in the past, but but being kennel blind, mm-hmm. meaning like your dog's the best. Like my dog Memphis, you know she's the best mm-hmm. I've. She's the best. It is what it is. You can't tell me different. Mm-hmm. Well, then we go to a super retriever series and get our butts kicked. So, I mean, I know, and I'm not an, I'm not an idiot. I, I know that she's not the best, but she is very good. So that's what you mean by kennel blind. Like, don't that your gut tells you there's, but to me, she was the one. She's bad to the bone. So. But then there's the one for someone else and the one for someone else and the one who wants a national field champion and there's another one that wants a crown and 
if they're, you know, tell tell me what cuts you from being the one. That would be easier to say, right, than like what the one is, because I think we're all still looking for the one. Well, well, that, that's tough. I mean, whether you be three, four, five, six months of age, okay. Once you have that one, then that's the dog that sets the bar, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, it's kind of like when you have a three or four month old pup, and you go, it takes your breath away. There isn't anything you can't throw that he can't go get two, three, four hundred yards. And you go, oh my, that's what we're looking for. That's a candidate. And then you take, you know, it, it goes back to college football, okay? You don't need the greatest athlete in the world. You just need the animal that believes in your system and how you're trained. Does that make sense? It, it's kind of like Ducky. Ducky at such a young age was a freak. You go, oh, yeah. She might be the best you've ever stood beside. And she won't accomplish what other great dogs that we've had here have done. But she might be one of the three greatest animals that, that I've ever stood beside because she's a freak. Or anything she can't do. Long, short, it doesn't matter. So you're, you're looking at that animal that sets the bar for the next one. That's what you're looking for. And it's kind of like, Molly is two and a half years old. Okay. She's a freak. All right. She's a golden retriever female. The thing she's an LAB. She did a 400 yard one vessel poison bird line the other day. That's awesome. I go, <laughs> oh my. I, I think <laughs> this might be future superstar and again she's a golden retriever female with hair yeah okay she's better in the water than she is on land who's she out of oh she's out of an ft dog out of minnesota and a female that's out of two fcas she's she's extremely bred there was 10 or 11 12 females uh or excuse me 10 or 12 puppies in this litter um yeah, I mean, she, she's a genuine goofball, but when she comes to the line, um, go time. She doesn't. She doesn't understand what the talent that she has. But yeah, I'm going. Oh my! So two or three years from now, um, I would say you're probably going to see her. That's cool. Yeah, That's yeah. So really, we just really keep cool. pushing. You're always looking for that next talent level, and and that's that's. You know, you're always looking for special. And once you have special, then that's where the bar is set. That's what you want to look for. Looking for that one or the next one. That's what you always want to look for, the next one. That's cool. What else you got for us? Oh, I got... We'd be here for like three days. Um, <laughs> how about how about one more and then we'll wrap this this son of a gun up sure do you got one for us go ahead and shoot me one all right all right i'm gonna think of one on my own for you because 
this is our show. So <laughs> we're on our winter training trip, both of us, okay? We're on our yep. winter training trip, and I've gotten asked a bunch about what what test I'm running. And that is part of my job. We have to run tests. And I enjoy running tests. It keeps me competitive. If I don't run tests, I feel like I get a little complacent. Would probably Complacent, yeah, sure. Because there's no goal, right? So if you're just, you know, going to the gym to just stay healthy, you're not really pushing the pace. But if you're going to the gym because you've got to, you know, uh, run a marathon or do a triathlon or play in a rugby game, you're going to try really hard. So hunt tests are that for me. If I know I have a test coming up, it's a lot easier to stay out and do one or two more things or get up an hour earlier and get one or two more things done. But there is another part of running tests where, and we talked about it in the beginning of the podcast we talked about it on a bunch of other previous podcasts where people want to run tests too soon and push the dogs too fast and so i'm really looking at this trip as i've got a lot of transition dogs dogs that are either thought they were through t pattern and and ready to run blinds and got sent to me that they were you know trained by their owners and you know running blinds and they're really not to dogs that I've trained and are at that stage or dogs that I've trained and need a refresher course after hunting season. And I'm looking at them all right now. They've been back like three, four weeks, right? And it's like, I'm not worried about a March hunt test or an April hunt test. I'm worried about getting it right so that my May and June and July and August all the way up to master national is is right and i feel like in my head i want to go and run a test in march they're here why wouldn't i let's go but that's not always right and i i'm sitting here literally talking out loud with you lyle about and in my head like man i could run this this dog you know you know another month of just tightening down the line manners, tightening down, you know, the blinds and, you know, without an e-collar on and the hype of being at a hunt test, man, things could go downhill quick. Talk to me about preparedness for a test, you know, I guess reflecting on what I just brought up. I mean, it wasn't really a question and more just like, this is what I'm going through right now on my winter trip. And where are you on your winter trip? And do you feel similar things? Like, you know what? Let's just grind. Let's just work. And then this is when we're going to hit them. Um, That's probably the best thing you've ever said. Okay. Um, The reason being is you're doing what's best for the team, not what's best for I. Okay. And so what you have to do is, okay, and this is going to make, and I talked to Rich and I talked to Dennis about this statement about to come, and this is going to make a lot of trainers upset, okay? And, but 
my mentor made this comment to me. Okay? If you're up north and you don't go south in the winter, you're not a dog trainer. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't live in the south and you go north or you go to Wyoming, Colorado, and all that in the summer, you're not a dog trainer. And that's going to make a lot of people upset with that comment and that statement. That's what he taught me. Okay. But winter trips and summer trips, they're hell. They flat suck. Okay. It's like Groundhog Day. Okay. You're up at 4.30. You make coffee. You go feed. You go air. You, you put them on the truck again. You go train. You come back at 5 or 6 o'clock at night. You feed. You air. You eat supper. It starts all over again. Right. Okay? It's horrible. You're away from your family. You're away from your children. It is miserable. Okay? You're not sleeping in your own bed. Okay? The dogs are taken care of better than we are. And I've been on 17, 18, 19 of these things. Again, they suck. I want to go on a winter trip. No, you don't. They're horrible. Okay? But winter trips and summer trips are what makes those dogs better. Because all you do is eat, sleep, train. Eat, sleep, train. It's kind of like right now. If you ask me what the date was, I don't know what the date is. I know it's Tuesday. Yeah. Okay? It's just a, you know, well, I want to come with you on the winter trip. No, you don't. <laughs> right. I got clients go, we want to come down. No, you don't. They suck. <laughs> okay. But it, it's again, <laughs> and it's funny, but it's not funny. But I mean, I mean, it was like one winter trip. Okay. I had to get up to go take a shower so I could fall out because I was freezing to death in the house. Yep. Okay. And your pipe All freeze right. and. Oh, your pipes freeze. You fix a water line. You know, it's it just, you you got X amount of dogs. I mean, it's kind of like we got in the house right now. We got 11 to 12 dogs just in the house. They're crates, they're loose. Uh, there's dogs in the shop. It, it, it's mayhem. But it, it's mayhem. But the winter trip, our winter trip, will dictate how well we do for the rest of the year. Because you take, it's kind of like several years ago um, at our SRS event. You know, they were giving me a hard time and, and here's a negative statement. Okay. Is that, you know, we train 13 to 14 months out of the year. You guy goes, well, there's only 12 months of the year. Yeah, but on a winter trip, we're going three months. Three months on a winter trip with us is like five months at home. On a winter trip or a summer trip, there is no distractions. Yeah. So you do. And Bob, you've been on them. They suck. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, I mean, I got clients that want to come down here, you know, on the on a winter trip. Great. How long are you staying? We'll say a week. Well, I'll bet. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do what you want. You know, I'm begging to go home. Okay. It, it's just not. It, it's what's great for the dogs. It's what's best for the dogs, which is what we're. That's what we get paid for. That's what we do. That's exactly right. Okay. But, it, okay. But you take. Would you like to sleep in your own bed 12 months of the year? Yes, I would. Yep. Okay. No matter how bad the weather is. Okay. Yep. But you, you just, you know, uh, it's, it's what we do. It's our job. Okay. And, and we're passionate about it. Uh, it's what we do. We eat, we sleep, we drink. That's all we do is this job. You know, to make these four-legged, you know, you know, and, and as a pro, like you as a pro, okay, our clients, we have the greatest job in the world, okay? These are somebody else's dog. Yeah. I feel my kids or our kids. And every time I lose a kid, it tears me up inside, Okay. Um, and one of my close friends said, you should never, you know, I think that's what you put it. You should never question God. Okay. But there's one question I want to ask. Okay. These are my kids. They live 9, 10, 11, 12 years. Okay. We pour our heart, we, we, we put our soul into them. Okay. And they're taken from us. Okay. A horse. I hate horses. Okay. Hate them. They live 30 years. For what reason? Right. Okay. You know, and I can say one of the close names goes, you should never question God. Well, I question something that I love that dearly that, that leaves us way too early. I, I don't understand that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that was kind of the standard, but. It is. I mean, anybody that, that whether it be whatever, an amateur pro, it doesn't matter. I mean, these are our kids. You know, we spend more time with these guys than we do our own family. And that's not right, but that's, that's the job we've taken. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the hard part. I spend more time with dogs than I do anybody else in my life. And uh, and they're not, most of them aren't even my dogs. They're other people's. No, yeah. no, there's somebody else's. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and it doesn't matter. Nah, it's all you know, good. Once you, put a tr- once you put that dog with us or with you or, or a, a special trainer, that's the key, a special trainer. I mean, but you can call me anything you want, but don't you ever disrespect my kids because they are who we are and what we, we strive for and what we get up every morning to make them better. And that's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make them better than they were yesterday. That's so right. That's right. Lyle, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show again. And I know that you're going to be on again here soon. We'll keep it rolling. I'd like you to do yourself a, a solid. If someone wants to follow you, your, your kennel, if someone wants to get in on the holding blinds and the stick man, I actually, I, I'll call you maybe this week because I could use some. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
where can people find the products and the you know the other things that you got going on and what we can see in the future for you well i mean um the blind company and stuff like that you can go to steinmanproducts.com um look at that or you can go to our facebook pages uh the, the kennel category kennels or Steinman retriever products um but i, I you know that's that here's with me okay if you got a question and i'm old once i'm gone i can't give everything training wise to someone else okay uh i mean you know if you've got a question about training pick up the phone it's amazing how many people i bet there have been five people in all the years i've ever called about a training question just call me, 816-522-9650. Pick the phone up and call me and ask me whatever questions you want, training-wise, pedigree-wise, I'll help you. It may not be the, the correct answer. It's just my opinion. But, you know, don't be scared to call me, all right? Uh, that's the thing. You know, if I don't call you back, I forgot. But I get up every morning and put my pants on just like everybody else that goes to work, whatever they do, I'm just a trainer. You know, so I guess, you know, I want to help you. You want If you want something answered, call me. I'll help you. Uh, and we'll learn together. If I don't have the answer, but let's, let's learn together. I mean, I don't have all the answers. You know, Rich and Dennis know that. You know, help me get better. If you're not going to be a trainer that wants to get better every day, then you need to find another profession. And that's just like me. I learn something every day. If not, I'm done. You know, I love to train. I don't like to run anymore, but I love to train. I get up every morning because I want to train. I want to make dogs better. How do I make this dog better? And nice that you can't sleep. You know, I'm trying to figure out how do I make that dog better? What do I need to do? Why have I failed with this dog? You know, just, just get better. That's all we want to do. And it's like these podcasts, you know, well, you know, Paul, whatever it takes, let's just, let's make those, those kids of ours better. I love it. I couldn't agree more, man. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, being a part of our journey on this podcast. This is your what third episode and we've knocked them out of the park. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I know life's busy. I know these winter training trips are, are long days. In fact, I got to get back out there and let dogs out one more time. So, yeah. yep, that's part of it. Uh -huh. But uh, I, yeah. I hope I see you soon. I'll be in touch with you soon. And thank you, as always, for sharing your knowledge with everybody here, buddy. Well, thanks. Hey, Kevin, you do a great job. All right. I know you don't get the uh, uh, the props that you should, but but thanks for taking care of Bob and I, all right? Appreciate it, Lyle. You take care of yourself, and you're welcome. All right. To, uh, come hang out on our show whenever you want, my friend. <laughs> all right. Listen, uh, Lyle. We got plenty. Listen, Lyle. My mom Thank gives him guys. all the props he needs. He doesn't need any more props. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. I appreciate yeah. it, Lyle. You have a good night, sir. Thank you, guys. You guys take care. Later, right. buddy. Bye. 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 Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, 
It's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you, and you're helping us produce this show. So thank you so much to that community. Get in, get out, let's roll. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Oh,